Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Doctrine Matters Podcast. I am glad that you have chosen to tune in here today, and there is a lot of stuff to talk about that's going on in the world of Christianity, a lot of things that are happening still and uh, in our world. So all of these things kind of tie together. If you've been listening at all to the past episodes, you know that all of these things are kind of coming to a point now to where they're all kind of mixing together, especially with what we're going to be talking about today. And we're going to be talking about something that is both been applauded and also been looked at as something that uh, should not have possibly been done. So we're going to talk about it here, and I might give you my thoughts, my two cents, although I, who am I? I'm just a, the host of a podcast uh, so take it with a grain of salt. You and I might disagree. We might agree. Uh, but either way, we're going to talk about some of these issues and some of these things that have happened in our country over the last six to seven days. As many of you know, this is not the first time you've probably heard about this. So, And I- I'm also going to say it's probably not the last time you're going to hear about it either. So We talked about recently, very briefly on the last episode, about the governor of California shutting down all church services, and I believe he went ahead and and said no uh, in-person, in-home gatherings either for when it comes to churches, but other things can stay open, other things uh, were deemed essential, but yet the church had to close down. And I I read a post that said 3,000 or or, or some odd, I think it was 3,000 pastors said that they were set to defy the governor's orders, and they were going to continue to meet. Well, one of those happens to be one of the most, and I hate using the word popular. Um, A lot of people know who he is. Many of you have a study Bible by him, but John MacArthur, just outside of Los Angeles, California, had come out with a blog and a statement that basically said that they are going to as also defy the governor's orders and they're going to begin meeting again. Now, according to John MacArthur, he was on Tucker, Tucker Carlson uh, the other night. He said that he was standing up and began to preach to an empty room, and then over the next few weeks of him doing that, people started coming back into the building on their own. They were coming to gather with the saints without even being told to. It was something they were doing, and ultimately it led to uh, John MacArthur putting out a statement from he and the elders at Grace Community Church there in California. And John MacArthur is one of those popular pastors, one of the bigger name pastors in, in really the world. A lot of people know about John MacArthur. They have his New Testament commentaries. They've seen his commentaries. They've uh, Many of you may have had a John MacArthur study Bible or may have one now. I knew I knew a bunch of people had one uh, several years ago. I think uh, I even had one. It's been a while before I really even knew who John MacArthur was. I had his study Bible. So he is one of the bigger name pastors. And again, I hate using popular or big name pastors, but it is what it is. A lot of people know who John MacArthur is. So John MacArthur has said that we are going to not 
bow down to Caesar. We are going to bow down to Christ. Christ is the head of the church, not Caesar. So we are going to gather again as the church. We're not going to be doing online services anymore, although their services are online, but they're not doing online only. They are having in-person worship gatherings. And just a quick reading from the statement, if you haven't seen it, I can uh, uh, you can look in the show notes and link to it. But part of that says this, in response to the recent state order requiring churches in California to limit or suspend all meetings indefinitely, we the pastors and elders of Grace Community Church respectfully inform our civic leaders that they have exceeded their legitimate jurisdiction and faithfulness to Christ prohibits us from observing the restrictions they want to impose on our corporate worship services. Said another way, it has never been the prerogative of civil government to order, modify, forbid, or mandate worship. This, of course, uh, and I'm not reading right now, but this, of course, this line is coming from the First Amendment that protects the gathering of religious meetings. Uh, The church can gather and worship and is protected by that First Amendment. So, again, let me start over. Said another way, it has never been the prerogative of civil government to order, modify, forbid, or mandate worship. This coming after uh, earlier in this statement to where uh, he used some scripture to back up um, some civil authorities and, and kind of talk about the reach they do have and where that jurisdiction ends. So he's playing off the First Amendment now, saying they have never been able to modify or even cancel services. And it continues, it says, When, how, and how often the church worships is not subject to Caesar. Caesar himself is subject to God. Jesus affirmed that principle when he told Pilate, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. That's John 19.11. And because Christ is head of the church, ecclesiastical matters pertain to his kingdom, not Caesar's. Jesus drew a stark distinction between those two kingdoms when he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God, God's. Mark 12.17. Our Lord himself always rendered to Caesar what was Caesar's, but he never offered to Caesar what belongs solely to God. As pastors and elders, we cannot hand over to earthly authorities any privilege or power that belongs solely to Christ as head of his church. So, and it goes on to say there that uh, they are the local body and they believe that Christ is the head of the church. And during this time, the government is overstepping their bounds. They are going to continue in-person services and that they did this past Sunday with a little over 3,000 people in attendance. Now, with that, came some pushback from the mayor from Los Angeles, and the mayor said that they were going to shut power to all the churches that defied this order. So I don't think that it got to that this Sunday, but it is on the table where they could possibly be uh, not having any power as they move forward when they continue to gather in defiance of this government order. And uh, that's okay. So for me, if it were to be my church here in Arkansas and we had uh, the mayor come knocking and say, hey, we're fixing to pull the plug here, you're going to have no power. I mean, if you've ever been to the south in the middle of the summer, you will know that it gets hot quick. But let me tell you something what would happen here in northeast Arkansas if the mayor came to the church to pull the plug because we were gathering, doing what we've been called to do through the scriptures, and he says because you're defying the government order, the mandate to not meet, 
we're going to pull the power to this church. And I would just say, pull the plug. We're going to sit here and we're going to continue to sing. We're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to worship the Lord. We're going to preach. We're going to read the word. I mean, surely we can find a matchup in here. We can find a, a candle or something. And, and even if we can't, we'll go outside. You, we, you're not, you're not going to do anything by turning our power off. We're still going to meet. We're still going to gather. We're still going to worship the Lord. Now, there has been quite some pushback from some that said, why would you gather in the middle of a pandemic? Well, folks, if you've been following the news and all of the things that go along with the news and all of the people that have talked about COVID-19 and this pandemic, and depending on which news sources you're watching, Facebook, people you're listening to, you might be just getting full of misinformation. Now, yes, there is misinformation on both sides and of things, but let's look at the numbers of this thing. This thing, just just go to California where this church is. So basically, you have a 99% chance of surviving COVID-19 in California. If you look at the world, or, or at least the United States, that number is anywhere from 98 to 99%, depending on which state you're in. So this thing has a recovery rate, or a, 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 you won't die from it. I mean, it's really a big number. 99% of the people will not die from COVID-19, yet we're shutting economies down, we're doing a whole lot of things that are hurting people, hurting families, and it has just been insane when you look at the numbers, and, and, and it, it doesn't take an epidemiologist to look at numbers and to divide numbers. Now, it may take a calculator for somebody like me that is not good at math, but you can take a calculator and you start looking at the people that have been infected, that has been reported, and you can look at the number of people in that state, and you can do the math, and when you look at the people that have died from it, and you can do that simple math on your own, and you can find all of those numbers all over the place. You can go to the CDC website and find those numbers, I believe, for each state. So just a simple uh, quick run of math will tell us that this thing has not been as bad as they had predicted. Now, is it real? Yes. Have people died from it? Yes, absolutely. And I want to be sensitive to that. I don't want to look at this thing and say, well, this is a conspiracy theory. You're, you're, you're not really seeing this for what it is. Yes, I am. I don't believe it's a conspiracy theory. What I do believe, though, is that it has been blown out of proportion and many lives have been really derailed as a result of it. Our economy has seemingly tanked. People are out of jobs. Families are struggling. Families are hurting. Families can't put food on the table because we have shut the economy down over a 98 to 99% survival rate virus going through the United States. Somebody tell me, please, how Italy is doing now, how Spain is doing, because we don't hear about these other countries like we did before. Now, yes, we got through the first three months together. Things started opening back up. Cases started going up. Tests started going up. But still, if you look at the numbers, you'll see that this thing has a very high survival rate. So if you just look at the numbers as they sit, as they are, I mean, it's hard to argue the numbers when, it, when you break it down that way. Now, you can argue mask, no mask, you can argue anything else you want to, but it's, it's hard to argue the numbers, even if they're reported by the CDC. So you see the numbers, you see the survival rate, and this is what John MacArthur has done. He's looked at the survival rate. He's looked through the word. He said that, man, we should gather. We should, I mean, if this thing would have been 10 times worse, like they said, 
then you'd have probably seen a lot of churches, a lot more churches kind of pull back the reins a little bit. You probably see a lot less churches going back to normal activities on campus, on site. But this thing is still 98 98 to 99% survival rate. And we have to keep that in mind. And that's what John MacArthur kept in mind, he and the elders there at Grace Community Church. And they said, we are not going to bow to Caesar. We're not going to bow to you, Governor, in this mandate that is really way out of context. It's kind of overstepping how we can leave all these other things open, all these other quote-unquote essential businesses open, yet the church has to close down. Now, you look all across the United States, and you see where protests, where riots, where all of these things are happening. And I love what John MacArthur said on Tucker Carlson. He said that we are the original protesters. It's in the name. It goes all the way back to the Protestant Reformation. We come from a line of Protestants, which simply means to protest. So even as the church gathers, the church is protesting against sin, against lies, against heresies, against all sorts of things. So we stand in protest when we gather as the church. And that's what John MacArthur alluded to last night. He, he actually said that to Tucker Carlson. And I'm glad he did that because that is what we do every Sunday is we gather to protest, a protest against these things. And uh, But that's not the protest that the state wants to happen. That's not the kind of protest that they want to see on their ground. They want to see somebody go out and and just tear up America because they can put that under quote unquote Trump's America. Now, I don't want to get political as much on here, but uh, I, it's not hard to see the handwriting on the wall in a lot of these things because you let Black Lives Matter and all these things, all these riots happen and you don't say a word, but yet you got to shut down the churches. You can't let them gather because the virus loves church, and if you gather as the church, it's going to get in there, and it's going to send tons of people to the hospital and potentially kill a lot of people, and it's going to be because of you. And back up here, let's think through this. What does Islam do? They kill people on purpose in the name of Allah, yet they can keep their mosque open. They can keep all of these things running. They can continue to gather. They can continue to meet. But when Christianity, when Christianity is on the, the, the front lines and you have to pull back and say, no, you've got to stop, but you... Islam, you Muslims, you can continue doing what you're doing. You rioters, continue to do what you're doing because you're changing America. You're, you're making your voices heard. But you, church, you sit down and shut up under my directive. And I praise God for men like John MacArthur that have stood up and said, no, we will not sit down and shut up because in a time where people need the church the most, it's now. Think about this for a minute. Domestic violence cases have gone up. Even here in Northeast Arkansas, that is one of the main things that's gone up is domestic violence cases. Why? Because they're together more in the home. Domestic violence cases have gone up. Suicide all over the country. It's starting to go up. Uh, you're starting to see uh, this is a very disturbing and troubling uh, article I read. Uh, it said that child abuse, neglect cases for DHS, and I can't remember if this was in my state or where it was, but either way, it said that they've gone down 51%. Now, just looking at that, taking that at face value, we would say, well, yes, child abuse and neglect cases have gone down 51%, but wait. The article went on to say 
that the reason it's down is because there is no school, there is no church in a lot of places, there are no daycares in a lot of places, there are no places where these kids would normally be seen on a daily basis, where people would normally see bruises or, or see things out of the outside of the norm with this child or children, and then be able to report it to the authorities. It's not happening now. Why? Because things are closed down. Things aren't able to go on like they normally would. So we see a lot of things changing because of this. And this is a time where people need the church more. I mean, let me just say this. We all need to be gathering with the saints, especially if we're believers. We need the church. We need it all the time. But this is a time where people are really struggling. And to close down what is essential is really essential is is telling and i don't i've said this before this isn't persecution on a level like we've ever seen but i believe this is the beginning of persecution here in america it's starting small it's going to be it's this is big to us but it's not a physical persecution right but we can see where the government is trying to silence the church they're trying to move god out of america they're trying to move christianity out of america it's what you do when you're a socialist and a communist you got to get god out of here there is no room for god in a communist country look at china they're telling their people to worship the president now instead of Jesus. It's just, it's, it's crazy, and that's the beginnings of what we're seeing here. We're starting to see an oppression of the church, of Christians. Christians' voices are silenced. They are uh, not allowed to be heard, and it's starting, and we need more men like John MacArthur to stand up and say, I hear you, I respect you, and I'm praying for you. Yet we cannot bow to you. We have to bow to the Lord, and we are going to gather with the saints. Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not neglect to gather with the saints, as some have made a habit of doing. So we are called to gather. We are a called-out assembly, a body of believers that are called to gather together, to live with one another, to encourage one another, to disciple one another, to sharpen one another, to do all these things, to live at peace with one another, to share with one another, to do good for one another. We need one another, and we need the church. This is a time where it's got to be open, and we can't let tyrannical governors tell the church what to do especially churches that are protected by the First Amendment. But then you got those that are going to say, but this is a pandemic. This is not the time for you to take a stand. But remember those numbers, folks. Remember the recovery rate. Remember. And you can say, well, cases are climbing. Cases are going up. But testing is going up. The, the, the recovery rate or the survival rate is still staying at 98 or 99%, whichever state you're in. It's very high. It, it really is. The survival rate is right there with the seasonal flu. So we have this mass hysteria going down for the sake of uh, something that infects 0.001% of the people or something like that. We have to keep these numbers in mind. Now, Jonathan Lehman and Mark Dever, two guys that I've listened to, that I've read their books, I've listened to their podcast. Uh, they've kind of come out right in the same week, and they put out like two or three articles and did a podcast on it. And 
and uh, they just don't believe that this is the time to stand and push back when it comes to gathering with the saints on the Lord's Day. They don't believe it's time during a pandemic. They don't think it's time for civil disobedience. They don't believe that it's time to do that in this moment. Says, uh, Jonathan Lehman says, I don't necessarily disagree with their decision to not meet and to act in civil disobedience. That's a fair judgment for them to make. Okay, that's, that's okay. But Dever said one of his concerns in this article I'm reading with the statement was that if church leaders and Christians didn't read it carefully, they might believe they are in sin if they follow a state's restrictions during the pandemic. I fear that this was written in such a way that any pastor who was considering whether or not they should go along with a state prohibition would believe they must disobey the state or be guilty of contradicting our Lord's clear commands, said Dever, who serves as a senior pastor of Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. Now, what they're coming from the 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 art or the I'm excuse, the article. They're coming from the angle of if if pastors don't follow suit then it must mean they're wrong. And, and, and I, can, I can feel that. I can get down with that a little bit because I, I can tell you just a little bit of my own experience here in Northeast Arkansas. We went back to church. We did what we thought was right early on in the beginning. We took a few weeks. We stepped back, and we really tried to listen and, and play out this thing and see what it's going to look like, what it's going to do how it's going to affect our country what you know we did the online thing for for several weeks and then May 17th we went back to church we opened the doors and uh been there ever since but after we had been back probably a month maybe a little longer there was another church in our area that said we're going to use wisdom and we are not going to be gathering back at our building we're going to be wise and have house churches with 10 people or less so as a pastor, I, I heard that, and I thought, well, what they're saying is, if I don't do that or something similar to that, then what I'm doing is wrong. Because they said, we want to use wisdom, we want to be wise, we're going to do this and not this. And what they weren't going to do is what our church was already doing for weeks before I saw this video. So I started thinking, my flesh, I was like, well, who is this church to think that they're any better than anybody else? So I get where Dever and Lehman are coming from here, that you have to be careful not to read between the lines and say, well, if you don't do what we're doing, you're in sin, you need to repent. There are a lot of people on each side of this issue. There are a lot of people that are saying, yes, you do need to repent if you've closed your doors at any time during this pandemic. And I would respectfully say and lovingly say that I believe early on any church that pulled back for the sake of let's really see how bad this thing is, let's really protect our, our vulnerable people in our congregation, let's, let's protect our people in general because nobody knew what this thing was going to do. Nobody had any clue. I was the last person or the first person that would tell you that I do not want to shut down the church or at least move from the physical gathering of the church, not shut it down, but move online. I did not want to do that. But on the same hand or the opposite hand, however you want to look at that, we also were dealing with a virus sweeping across the world. 
and we had no clue what it was going to do, what the next few weeks were going to look like. So we did what we thought was wise, as, as many others did, and some people continued to meet. Now, that's where a big debate began between brothers and sisters in Christ, where you're wrong for not meeting or you're wrong for continuing to meet. And it was just amongst brothers and sisters, there was a division there. And we're still seeing this division now if we're not careful. That's why we have to understand that leaders of every church, the elders, the leadership, have to be in prayer. They have to be uh, discerning. They have to really trust the Lord and do what they feel is right in God's eyes. Now, we could get into the book of Judges, and we can see where uh, there was no judge, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. So if you're making decisions based off what's right in your eyes, or what's best for you, uh, then yes, you're making the wrong decisions. But if you can say without a shadow of a doubt, like, we believe this is the direction we should go as a church after much prayer and consideration and counsel and all these things. If, if this is what we need to do according to our convictions and what would bring God glory, we feel, then that's what you need to do. But to bicker back and forth with somebody, especially brothers and sisters in Christ, to go back and forth with one another and to say one is wrong, one should repent, one shouldn't, Man, if we're making decisions based off biblical wisdom and counsel, then we make those decisions and we stand by them. We don't call each other out. We don't um, put each other down. I don't even think we should call each other to repentance unless we're doing something for our own glory or for our own selfishness. But we definitely can't be divided when it comes to difficult decisions now, this is not uh, unprecedented. This is not some thing that's you know, never happened before. We, we know about the Spanish flu. We know about pandemics in the past, uh, well before we were born. Now, this just may be new to us, but this pandemic is nothing new to the world. But for us as leaders and pastors and elders, we're definitely trying to navigate and make the best decisions based on what knowledge that we have had. Now, this is where John MacArthur and the elders at Grace Community Church have gathered and said, based on what we know, based on the numbers here in our state, based on what we've seen the governor saying, what he's doing, what he's keeping open, and what he's trying to close, we have got to say that we cannot bow to the governor. We need to open our doors because the church is essential. And that's simply all that he was doing. That's all the elders were doing. And um, he's taken a lot of flack from it. But again, let's think about the numbers. Think about the survival rate. We can argue, talk about, I don't want to argue. That's a bad word. We shouldn't argue with one another. Even when it comes to the mask, whether we should wear a mask or not, I think believers should definitely show each other grace and love. I don't want to get on the whole mask debate again, but... Uh, we definitely should show each other some uh, grace, some mercy, some brotherly love, whether you wear a mask or don't wear a mask. Because I guarantee you, many people that wear one or don't wear one have many good reasons to back up why they're not or are wearing a mask. So, 
just like in the mask debate, whether your church is meeting, not meeting, online, not online, whatever, whatever the case may be, if they're not bowing to the government or bowing to uh, any other form of uh, outside sources outside of the church, but they're bowing to Christ, they're making decisions based off what they feel is right and in line with the Word and giving God glory, then let's stop bickering back and forth. Let's applaud the elders at Grace Community Church and say, hey, you stood up for what you believe in. You stood up and did what you thought was right in God's eyes, what you thought was right uh, when you read through the scriptures, not what you wanted to do. You're just not going out there willy-nilly saying, hey, we're not going to listen to you because you can't tell us what to do. No, this is after careful prayer and consideration that they have chosen to do what they've done. Many of you listening, your churches may not be meeting yet. Your elders, ask them questions, your leadership. Ask them where they're at. What is their thinking? What is their thought process behind not meeting? Maybe you can ask if you are meeting, what was your thought process in meeting again? Or what was your thought process when it came to not shutting down at all? It's good to ask your leaders questions and so you can hear their answers because everything that your elders, your pastors say to you, you must run through the Word of God. That must be your filter. That must be your lens. You should take everything you hear, even on Sunday morning, and you should go back and test what your pastor says with the Bible. So ask your elders questions, and if you feel that your elders or, or leadership, whatever the case may be there at your church, if you feel they are not uh, acting in a way that would honor God, whether they're meeting or not, then I believe you go by the biblical mandate and you begin the process of talking with your elders and, and thinking through, and possibly if they could be in sin, there's ways to go about uh, bringing this up to them so that they could repent, but do it biblically. Uh, we're already at 30 minutes. We're not going to get into that tonight. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. So uh, the John MacArthur thing. So my biggest push and my biggest challenge for you all that are still listening here at the 30-minute mark is to have grace, love, and mercy for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, for your for your sister churches, for your uh, churches in your area that may be doing something different than you. Just show some grace and some humility and some love for them, because this is the most difficult thing they've probably ever had to lead through. I know it is for me, uh, even even in, in our own church t- today. I mean, you got, uh, it's Wednesday as I'm recording this after church, and uh, just thinking through some of the things in our church leading through a pandemic is some folks, you know, we were in a room, and we don't require masks, a lot of, a lot of maskless people in there, and uh, there was some concerns, and hey, we're kind of in this smaller room with a bunch of people. Uh, we don't feel comfortable. Is there any way we can move into the bigger room? So we did that, and then there was somebody that said, hey, I don't have my tables. Uh, this is a bigger room. I, you know, so back and, and try to help each other out, you know, and try to show grace and love and mercy there and uh, do the best we can in every situation. But the thing is, your elders, your pastor is not going to knock it out of the park during this pandemic. He is not going to make everybody happy, and he knows that. And listen, your pastor, your elders, they do not like not being able to make everybody happy. Now, any pastor or elder worth his salt knows that we are not here to cater to men or bow down to men or make them comfortable or make them happy, but we do want to do things that 
help the body, and we don't want anybody to be upset. We don't want to be anybody to have their feathers ruffled, so we want to do the best we can, and during a pandemic, it is difficult. Listen, being a pastor and elder in a church is as difficult as it gets. Let me tell you, from experience, some of you guys and uh, may, that are elders or, or pastors, you may know what I'm talking about. Ministry is tough. Youth pastors, uh, children's directors, whatever. You know that when you're dealing with people, it is frustrating sometimes. It is tough. And now you're dealing with people in the midst of a pandemic. It's even worse. So show your elders some grace. Show other churches some grace. Show other churches some love. Don't act like you're better. Don't act like they're better. Just in humility, come together, serve, and love on one another. And again, ask questions to your elders, your leadership. It's okay to ask your leadership questions, or at least it should be. If it's not, you might want to start looking at why you can't, and uh, those reasons might lead you out. But uh, we're not all going to get it right. Uh, I, I would personally applaud and say thank you, John MacArthur and other pastors in California for standing up and gathering with the saints, uh, especially with the numbers the way they are. And uh, just so grace and love, folks. That's all that we can do in this very difficult time. That's all we should do anyway. So uh, that's part one of some of the more noted things that have happened this week. We won't get into part two here on this episode, but stand by here when the next episode comes around and drops because we're going to be talking about Todd White. Todd White, who seemingly repented from the stage. I'm going to talk through some of that, what that looks like, and uh, see what we can talk about as far as Todd White and his repentance. Todd White, of course, word of faith, uh, growing legs out right there on the spot, healing back pain in people. A lot of things to talk about with Todd White, a lot of things to talk through in uh, his repentance sermon, and uh, a lot of things to look forward to. So we'll talk about that next time on the podcast. So until then, have a great rest of your day. A great rest of your week, and until next time, God bless.